Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and today we are joined by the fantastic Dallas Amico of the Strickland, flat out one of the best basketball minds out there, certainly one of the best basketball minds covering the New York Knicks, and Alex, uh, we got a big topic with him today. Yeah, this is going to be a multi-part episode, a common theme lately, but we're getting into ranking the Knicks' five best players under the age of 25 in the spirit of a couple lists that came out this week that snubbed RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. Let's just say that. And it's just so happens that those two are the topic of our first part of this episode. We have a debate. Who is the number one prospect under 25 on the Knicks? Is it RJ Barrett or is it Emmanuel quickly tune in next for the debate? You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. We want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We're now available on all platforms, including, and you know this if you see our smiling faces, and you're soon to see Dallas Amico's extremely handsome smiling face uh, on YouTube. So please, 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 if you haven't already, uh, go check us out on YouTube. Throw us a like, throw us a comment, throw us a description. The comments, Alex, they've been, they've been popping off lately. It's been fantastic. Um, I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. You can check out my work uh, these couple of months on the Varsity Media Sports Network, broadcasting some of the lacrosse, top lacrosse teams in the country at the high school level. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of The Strickland, the greatest website out there. You can find them on all social media at thestrick.land. And we are joined by one of his top lieutenants today, Dallas Amico, uh, to rank the Knicks' best assets under the age of 25. I won't delay any longer. Let's get into it with Dallas for a fantastic conversation about R.J. Barrett versus Emmanuel Quickly. All right, as promised, we are joined by Dallas Amico of the Strickland. Um, and Dallas, uh, one, one of the great minds on Nick's Twitter, someone... Um, can I can I call you Benji Ritholtz before Benji Ritholtz? I was I was learning when when I first started uh, doing this podcast. I was following Dallas all the time. I was learning a ton from him. I remember listening to him on Knicks Film School. Uh, always someone I've gotten a ton of knowledge from. I was on last year for the Knicks uh, for our playoff preview against the Hawks. And Dallas, it's been a minute. How are you doing, man? Uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me on. I don't know if I would say the Benji before Benji. Benji's he's awesome in his own sort of thing, but yeah, I yeah. I take that as a compliment. Um, uh, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. No, just had Dallas, to I just got to know how, how confident are you that you could, uh, go out and drop 30 right now on somebody? Could... Uh, not at all. My, uh, <laughs> my style of play on the court is like, um, uh, maybe like, uh, 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 a cross between Frank Nilakina and a big man. <laughs> so like super hustle, lots of defense. I have a killer hook shot, but mostly it's like, Lots of passing and setting up other guys with like screens and whatever. So, fifteen assists, yeah, but forty points, thirty points, no. 
right. Well, that sets that sets Benji apart. So I guess that's all right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a great separator. Yeah. Well, we'll have you guys duke it out at some point. But uh, we we are here today. Good shots. I'll get Benji some good shots. There you go. Yeah. At the at the Knicks content creator All Star game that will happen one day. Um. But but we are here to talk about um. And Dallas, thank you for for suggesting this and bringing this up. Uh, ESPN recently released a list of the top 25 players under age 25. The Athletic released a similar list of top 15 players under the age of 25. Uh, no Knicks were on either list. And that got us thinking because we, we last talked about this um, near the end of November. Um, who are the Knicks top five? Um, I don't want to say assets because we're not doing this in terms of how other teams value them. We're doing it in terms of how we value them. So I'll just say who are the Knicks top five players under 25 in our opinion and who we would want going forward um and this was this was interesting to me because i we, we for when we did this podcast a couple of months back i had a manual quickly at number one and for maybe two three months after that that just aged so poorly i felt stupid i almost felt like i had to bring it up and make fun of myself I'm like someone's someone's gonna bring it up at some point um when he was just shooting like 14 percent from three and not getting to the rim and, and looking pretty lost now that looks pretty good and dallas i understand you might you might agree with me there uh, I do, yes. Um, for me, the question is not, is Emmanuel quickly um, ahead of RJ sort of in that value ranking? Um, but it's, is he in a tier of his own, uh, distinct from the tier that RJ's in? Um, that's how sort of uh, co- confident I am, I suppose, in uh, putting I- Emmanuel quickly ahead of him. So um, I don't know, do you, you guys want to get into the, the reasons? Yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it. Yeah. Um, so the really the underlying reason is basically that I think Emmanuel quickly um, what he has to do, um, what he has to add in order to become a star is both less than what RJ has to add and I think significantly easier to add. So um, just in terms so just to start in terms of scoring, I would say um, Emmanuel quickly already is um, an elite off the dribble shooter um, and he is a near elite i think half court separation creator um so what do i mean by that uh, like he creates an enormous amount of separation in the half court all the time um especially when he's shooting from three right so like guys who create more separation from than him i mean like prime steph curry trey young does you know kyrie irving but like that's sort of the list maybe dame um emmanuel quickly creates an amazing amount of separation both through uh, both in one-on-one situations, like with his step backs, um, but uh, also when he's coming around screens, he's really crafty with that sort of thing. Um, and we're starting to see him be able to do that. So where I would say that hasn't shown up as much is inside the three-point line, but we're starting to see that more and more. Um, he already has what I would call a really high level first step, probably not like you know Russell Westbrook first step or John Morant first step, but it's really, really quick, um, really fast. Uh, great first step. He often like blows by guys with the first step. He maybe doesn't yet have the handle um, uh, to get him there, um, uh, especially when he's going left all the time. Um, but he's getting he's getting closer. His handle's pretty strong, just not elite yet. Um, so what I would say is when you put those things together, um, and then you add in his shooting touch, which he demonstrates from three from the free throw line and from floater range. And when he finishes at the rim, even though he hasn't done that as much as he ought to, what you have is the picture of a guy that in order to be elite, all he has to do is take a few more shots at the rim, really. And then you're, you're talking about an elite scorer. Um, uh, if he can do that. And 
he already is awesome at creating separation in the half court. Um, so there's little reason to think he's not going to be able to really up his game at the rim. And in fact, since the All-Star break, he's basically been driving about as much as guys like um, basically he's in the second tier of like initiators in the NBA who are driving. So like there's the top, which would be like, uh, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander, um, you know, LeBron, these sort these sorts of folks. And then there's a second tier where there's like Donovan Mitchell. Um, you'll have guys like Paul George, et cetera. Um, uh, Cade Cunningham, uh, Jalen Brunson, interestingly enough. And, um, Emmanuel quickly has been driving and getting to the rim roughly as much as all of those guys in that sort of tier, that second tier. Um, so really, I don't think he's going to have any problem getting there. And then he just has to take a few more shots at the rim. And now all of a sudden you have elite, an elite two-level score. Now, can he get the mid-range scoring? Um, his floater's sort of already going there, and he's pretty good at it. But really, it would help if he has a mid-range jumper. Um, I think the fact that he already can do the off-the-dribble stuff from three-point range gives you reason to think that he can do it um, uh, in the half court. Uh, or, I mean, excuse me, inside the three-point line. Like, usually the challenge is moving out, not moving in, right? Um, so, so I'm not super skeptical. Maybe one reason I've heard some people suggest is that his release point is a little bit low, and that might make it a little bit dip more difficult if contests are closer. Um, so there, maybe there's a little bit of a question there. Um, but so what does he really have to add in terms of a scoring package? It's just taking a few more shots at the rim, which he's already been showing he can do. And then in terms of everything else, he's a plus defense, plus on the defense, um, not like an elite, elite defender, but he's um, a, a, a pretty clear plus, I think. Um, he's great off the ball on offense, um, an excellent screener. Um, he's uh, elite in transition, like really, really awesome, both with hit-ahead passes and just getting down the court because of his open court speed. Um, uh, and he's a good decision maker. Not a great decision maker yet. He's got a lot of room to grow there, I think. All right, we'll be back with just a second for more of Dallas's takes on why Emmanuel quickly uh, might be the Knicks' best player under 25 over R.J. Barrett. I know uh, one of the two of us vehemently disagrees with him. Uh, but before we do that, I wanted to tell you all about betonline.net. Our good friends, they're your number one source for all your sports betting stats and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. And Alex, they have some odds up. For uh, today's uh, game ones, um, Memphis Grizzlies versus Minnesota Timberwolves. The Grizzlies are six and a half point favorites in that one. I am actually riding with the Grizzlies there. I have a feeling uh, Minnesota going to be a little shook by the stage. I didn't really like how Cat looked in that playoff game. I bet Memphis runs away with it. Uh, I'm also taking Utah. I, I think this is easy money. Utah is only a five point favorite over Dallas. No Luka Doncic. We'll see if that line shifts at all. But I would, I would throw down some heavy bucks on the Jazz. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Now back with more from Dallas. Um, and then the last sort of thing you might think about when you're talking about a point guard is this passing. And there I think he's got a lot of room for improvement too. He has the foundations, right? With his right hand, he can make pretty much every pass. The scoop lobs. He can make the one-hand hook pass. Um, he can make two-hand passes. And he hits the left corner a lot as a result of that when he's driving right. Um, but his left hand's a little bit weaker, so you'll rarely see him make one-handed, you know, left-hand uh, live dribble passes to the right corner or something like that. Um, it's a little weaker. If he tries to make that pass, he uses two hands. 
um, sort of like, you know, the Julius Randle two-hand pass. Um, although a little quicker than Julius Randle usually does. He doesn't have yeah. the loading up. Um, low low bar, low bar there. <laughs> low bar. But you put those things together and you're looking at a guy who has a, already is a really good player and really does not need that much to get to star level. Um, and, I mean, we were seeing it in the last few games of the season, the last week or so. I mean, p- putting up multiple triple-doubles, yada, yada, yada. Um, not maybe against the most elite defenses. Maybe teams not trying as hard, so there's some caveats there. Um, but just looking looking really, really great. Um, so I, I honestly think that his step to getting to becoming a star is not huge. It's not, it's not like he has to take a, do, add a lot to his game. R.J. Barrett, on the other hand to me, looks like he has a lot more to add. Um, you know, he hasn't yet... So one thing I'll say is, like, not only just quickly, like, skill-wise, you look at the skills, you look at him being able to create separation in the half court, having elite touch, and being able to, you know, like, all the, the first step, the hand... You put all the things together, just the skills, and it looks pretty good. But then we also have the, like, I've seen it on the court. I've seen him be a highly efficient... Um, uh, uh, player, right, at three different um, uh, levels, now not as consistently at two of those levels, but at three different levels, um, as well as a pretty good decision maker. So, like, I've sort of seen proof of concept. With RJ, um, I'd say both there's a lot more skill-wise that he has to add, and harder to add skills, I think. Um, and I haven't seen as much proof of concept. Um, uh, and when I say I haven't seen the proof of concept, it's really... Um, uh, I've seen proof of concept, I think, of him as a finisher. Um, I, I think I would be shocked if it doesn't turn out that RJ ends up being an affin- efficient finisher at the rim um, even at, a, at a high volume, even though he hasn't yet done that. Um, I would be pretty surprised if he doesn't figure that out. But from the other two levels, from three-point range, from um, uh, mid-range, so far... There have been occasional attempts, right, at doing taking off the dribble threes, taking mid-range shots, um, but not a, not a lot that we've seen. Um, and when he's done it, it's not, you know, we haven't had great results. Um, so there hasn't been the proof of concept. And then the skills, just he doesn't create separation in the half court in the way Emmanuel quickly does. Um, he doesn't uh, have the decision-making uh, that, Emmanuel quickly does, right? He gets tunnel vision way more. Um, he makes poor decisions way more when he has the ball in his hands. Um, even on defense, right, we see lapses. He has, I think, probably a higher defensive ceiling than Emmanuel quickly. Um, but we haven't yet really seen him consistently put it together. Um, and then I just I just really think the, the skills he has to add, um, like becoming an off-the-dribble uh, three-point shooter, a high-level off-the-dribble three-point shooter in the NBA is not an easy thing to add. Um, and that's the sort of package you're, you have to talk about if you want to get him into the, like, the Paul George sort of, you know, that second tier of really great stars um, who are good defensive wings and, like, right, that sort of that sort of deal. Where I think for Emmanuel Quickly, he's basically got it all, and he just has to put a few things together. RJ has to straight up add an off-the-dribble shot. Um, that, that, and that's not true. I mean, he's, you know, he's working on just being a – a uh, league average catch and shoot three point shooter. Um, anyways, so that's that's a start of why I have Emmanuel quickly above RJ Barrett and why I lean towards you know even considering putting him in, putting him in a tier ahead of RJ Barrett. But I'm interested to hear. I know Alex, you at least have. I think you you mentioned RJ Barrett ahead of Emmanuel quickly. So I'm curious to hear 
what your thoughts are on on it you know yeah i um so i was actually gonna say you know so f- like to full disclosure all of our lists like i think as of right now i think when we uh, mentioned them before recording yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pivoting. I'm going IQ number one. Oh, you're going IQ? Yeah, this, 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 this is my villain turn. This is my villain turn, Alex. I just, I'm being I set abandoned. You up for this. I'm yeah, being yeah, abandoned yeah. mid-show. Well, anyway, I'm on yeah. RJ Island with RJ1, Quickly 2. Apparently, the other two are uh, with Quickly 1, RJ2. My rationale would be this. like, I think it comes down to, do you think it's easier to build a game from the inside out or build a game from the outside in? And that's why i think i still have rj higher at this point like i think as of right now as a scorer it's easier for rj i mean we saw it like he averaged 25 points a game or so after the all-star break now granted the efficiency was not the best there was certainly some growing pains as far as learning to be like a primary option on offense and everything that that entails but i think that rj has a you know like rj's base is getting to the rim drawing fouls doing things you know in, in that regard quickly's is starting on the perimeter you know shooting on the perimeter and to your point dallas i think and we talk about this all the time the famous booty jail all that stuff you know trapping guys on his hip you know getting inside all that like th- those are things that that quickly could do really well but we're only just starting to see quickly get to the rim more and you know, he's looked improved and we've seen a number of and ones and him confidently getting all the way to the rim. And like, I hope that sticks. Uh, but, you know, I I don't think we could totally ignore level of competition down the stretch. Like, I love what he did, but he did a lot of it against effectively G League teams, you know, down the stretch of the season. Like the Knicks did not play a lot of teams that were at full strength, either by choice or by, you know, necessity, you know, just like the Knicks were to many degrees. I'll bring up this stat, and, you know, this obviously comes with the caveat of uh, the fact that um, RJ played in, like, 35 minutes a game, quickly played in, like, 23 minutes a game. But quickly this season, just as as an example, uh, according to basketball reference, quickly took 65 attempts at the rim all season and took 396 three-pointers. RJ Barrett, on the other hand, took uh, – 369 attempts at the rim and 404 three-pointers. I think that's like, he already has that like hardened split. You know what I mean? Of, of having a good perimeter game, you know, where he can shoot the three and, and shoot it pretty confidently shot like 34% on the overall this year. But obviously if you take out some of the, the early parts of the season, which I feel like we have to give that caveat like every year with RJ almost, but if you take out some of the early season stuff, he shot closer to like 37 or so percent. Uh, down the stretch of the season and then you know he also shot and this could use some improvement but shot 60 percent at the rim drew a really solid number of free throws I think that that is developing for him in such a way that I could see him becoming an alpha type player quicker than I could see it happening with quickly Um, I think just with quickly you know my reservations are still like is he going to be able to put the whole package together and is he going to be out? Like, I don't think that getting to the rim has always been something that he's done or necessarily been able to do. So is he going to be able to embrace that more and put himself through, honestly, the, the hell of going to the rim that many times per game, you know, it's not something that every player likes to do. 
because it's it's tough, you know, and we've seen quickly before and, and he occasionally reverts back to this um, where he almost seems like he doesn't want to get all the way instead goes for the floater instead. You could say that that, you know, replaces a mid-range shot. I would sort of agree with you, but it, it can't replace a mid-range shot all the way out to like the free throw line, you know, at least not respectably. Um, I will say like, yes, his obviously is off the dribble shooting his way better. I pulled the NBA stats numbers um, on that too. You know, while you were talking Dallas and like uh, RJ, for example, shot on pull-ups, according to NBA stats, 25% on pull-up threes this year, 30.6% uh, on pull-ups overall. Emmanuel quickly shot 35% uh, on pull-up threes and 37% pull-up overall. So obviously like quickly definitely has that more in his bag at this point. And so I agree that's, I mean, that's obviously a super valuable skill. It's a maybe a more rare skill than being able to get to the rim. But I think being able to get to the rim well and leverage that into free throws is a, a really important skill as well. And I think obviously RJ needs to work on the free throw shooting and stuff. But I guess the reasoning for me putting RJ ahead of quickly is at least as of right now, I could like where you said you see an easier path for quickly becoming a star than RJ. I think I see an easier path for RJ to become a star than quickly because it's almost like we talked about this when we were doing like a, like a fake Zion trade recently. But I said like the fact that Zion could score 27 points per game without even really having a three point shot yet underscores just how amazing of a scorer he is. You know what I mean? And the fact that RJ can score 25 a game without really having that pull up game nailed down yet. I, I feel like to me, it makes it, it just says to me, like, he just needs to tighten up things a little bit, but he's clearly working on the pull-ups and he took a bunch of them this year. I would say more than any other year of his career easily. And, you know, so I think if he just tightens that up a little more and works on that skill, I think that he could get that nailed down before quickly nailing down, becoming like an elite guy, getting all the way to the rim and either finishing through contact or generating free throws or both. Um, that said, I don't, I, I actually think that both guys have a pretty decent chance of achieving those things. So I feel like it's razor thin margins here. It's just sort of like, what do you think is easier? Do you think it's easier to turn a good spot up game like RJ has into pull-ups, you know, like learn how to do pull-ups or do you think it's easier to, you know, turn good dribble penetration that quickly has shown that he can generate into the, you know, the tangible, like getting to the rim and finishing. Um, but Gavin, you trader, I'm curious real quick to hear what your uh, reasoning is for abandoning me on, on RJ Island here. I will be right back in as I stage my crusade to anoint RJ Barrett, the top under 25 prospect on the Knicks over Emmanuel quickly. Uh, but first, I got to remind you guys that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And you guys know the drill already. Come on. Built Bars are the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's like eating a candy bar. You don't even feel like you're eating a protein bar when you're eating a Built Bar because every single one of them, I mean, first off, you go to unwrap one. It looks just like a candy bar. I've got one right here on YouTube. It looks just like a candy bar. You unwrap it. It's chocolate covered. It's fantastic tasting. It's like regular Built Bars are nice and chewy. They also have Built Puffs, which is like eating a protein infused marshmallow. Comes in so many great flavors like cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. And in addition to all the great flavors and the textural uh, superiority over other 
bars out there. On top of it, Built Bars are not going to give you the guilt of eating a real candy bar because they have just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs compared to a whopping 17 grams of protein to help you recover after your workout. So if you want to get some Built Bars for yourself, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And today's show is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. So maybe you, you had some built bars, got all bulked up, and you're feeling like you want to go outside and do something with your hands. Go work on your car. It's it's getting nice outside, you know. It's just like 80 degrees this past week for a couple of days. Perfect car work and weather, and perfect time to order something from RockAuto.com. They are the best place to order your car parts because they are going to give you a reliably low price, no matter what, compared to what a a mechanic pays or anybody. You're not going to have to pay a ton. And you don't have to deal with that unpleasant experience of going into a brick-and-mortar auto parts store, having them ask you all these questions that don't relate to what you need. And then, of course, saying that the parts that you need isn't in stock at the store because how could it be? It's a tiny little store, and there's like a bajillion models of cars out there. How could they have every part that you could possibly need? And then they have to get it shipped to their store from their warehouse. It takes a few days. You got to drive back there to go pick your part up. And you get the price tag afterwards, and you're like, oh, my goodness, what did I just buy? The the answer is you just bought what made that guy the biggest commission, and he, he thought you were a sucker because you're not a mechanic, so he charged you a ton of money. That's not the case at rockauto.com. You can save 30%, 50%, or even a you know potentially half or more off of what you would pay somewhere else at another brick-and-mortar auto parts store. They're also a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years and the prices are reliably low for everyone. If you're an at-home mechanic or a actual mechanic, whatever the case may be, Rock Auto is the best place, and they ship everything direct to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now, and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck, and be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Yeah, so... Can, can I say something real go quick? Ahead, yes, go ahead, Dallas. Go ahead. Yeah, please. So just, yeah. Just on the scoring point. So one of the things you're saying is, ah, RJ's already shown he's a scorer. And he's... Mm-hmm. So if you actually look at per 36 numbers, mm-hmm. RJ Barrett, who has had an extra year, so he's in, you know, should should be better because you usually improve, right, year after year. Um, his per 36 scoring is actually below Emmanuel Quickly's. And Emmanuel Quickly has scored more per 36 at a significantly higher true shooting percentage. Like, mm-hmm. he's way more efficient. So I think when you look at like who actually has shown they can score and score efficiently on an NBA court, Emmanuel quickly has shown us that he can do it. RJ Barrett hasn't yet, he hasn't shown us he can be efficient from anywhere yet. I mean, I believe he'll get efficient eventually at the rim, but he hasn't, he's not done it yet. I mean, um, RJ was a three points per game better than quickly this year per 36. But so, so what I said is for their career, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Mm, 19.1 for their career Emmanuel Quigley I guess it's splitting hairs yeah 19.1 to 18.8 so yeah, yeah. It's, but notice you should expect right third year there's usually a third year scoring jump mm-hmm. so even with mm-hmm. the third year scoring jump yeah. um and RJ did have that scoring jump mm-hmm. um uh, Emmanuel quickly is scoring better than him um and then I I, I don't know I I'll let I'll let Gavin talk now I just want I just wanted to point out that that one thing yeah like, sure say oh but he's shown the scoring I think yeah. quickly been a better scorer um, throughout his career now against different competition because he's mostly played backups. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm like watching my parents fight right now because I'm so like I'm in I'm in both camps. I love both sides. I hear both arguments. 
And I think almost to, to argue against myself for a second and to like counter Dallas's point, I think the reason I initially wanted to have RJ at one is to me, at least there's still in like, maybe this just isn't true, but this is, this is embedded in my mind to some extent. There's a certain fragility to, to quickly, or at least there was like when, when he wasn't shooting well and like he, to his credit, he still continued playing the same way. His defense continued to be, I thought really good at points. Fantastic. Um, I thought his pat, like the leaps he made as a passer shown through particularly given that he didn't have the advantages that in the past were created by a shooting that he was still such a good passer. That was so impressive to me, but there wasn't that force that RJ has. And, and I think, where you lose some of the efficiency with RJ is that like, to some extent it's a skill to be able to get up 22 to 25 shots in an NBA game, especially at such a young age. And I think that's part of what people are betting on with RJ Barrett is that he has both the mentality and the physical makeup to do that night after night after night. And I think it's fair to question with quickly at his size without um, elite athletic ability, at least in the traditional run and jump sense. I, I think Dallas, to your point, like there are certainly athletic traits that are elite for quickly. Um, I think that's that's sort of the question in my mind. And if I just look at the last 20 game sample of Emmanuel quickly, I would argue, despite the volume numbers that RJ Barrett put up, he has never played that well in his career. And the guy that IQ was these last 20 games, I think, again, I'd agree with Dallas. I would probably put in his own tier. The question to me that Alex rightly points out is like you consider the competition, which you could say, all right, there were games against the Magic, the Wizards, the Raptors missing a ton of guys. He also led a fourth quarter comeback against the Heat in a game that Schwinn was talking about the other day. The Heat were very much trying to win. And that is like the old that is the team that if you have questions about IQ's quote unquote like solidity or like or fragility, like that is the team that should expose all of them, right? That is the team that should like out physical him, should punish him and and lock him down, like sort of like what the old heat did to Jeremy Lin and said, hey, you're, you're maybe you're for real against like this, this and this team, but you're not for real against us. And instead, IQ came out, like punched them in the mouth a couple of times. And it was it was beautiful to see. And I think that's what I'm betting on with my with my uh, traitorous turn on Alex, that he he is more so my type of basketball player than rj barrett is um prez when he comes on he always talks about like academy mind with guys i think rj has a little bit of that in just his whole game feels like a tiny bit predetermined to me where iq has like this beautiful like improvisational stretch i mean not that rj shows flashes of, of real genius on the court and i thought his passing like going to the rim some of the wraparounds he pulled off as the season went along we're, we're just insane and to me that's more than anything else like even even more so than the scoring volume for rj that's what encouraged me so much about him but to dallas's point the way iq started getting separation down the stretch and and i think this is if, if i get to my fundamental confusion between these two guys it's the question of is that real or not because it's just such a departure from what we saw from him as a rookie and such a departure, even from what we've seen from him for so much of this season where he just, he was someone who didn't get to the basket. And that was always the fly in the ointment with this guy who I just loved as a player. But to me, it feels real because I even going back to the very beginning of this year, I was saying it's so clear that IQ has more juice now, but he just couldn't, it, it wasn't accessible to him because the shot wasn't falling. And then once the shot started falling and I do, Ultimately, I believe in the shot because he's been like the best free throw shooter in the NBA since he's come into the league. And once the shot started falling, that became accessible to him and it opened up all this stuff. And I think if you if you want to bet on the shot sustaining, like outside of RJ, again, that that ability to do it at volume, like I think it's hard to pinpoint like a lot of areas that RJ is just clearly better than Emmanuel quickly. So I, I think because of that, I ultimately have to take IQ. I don't feel good about it just because the sample size is so small. I think RJ is the safer bet. And that's why if we were doing this in terms of what other teams would want, like most would go for RJ. 
But I, I think IQ just has, a to Dallas's point, a better skill set. But Dallas, I'll let you, before we move on to other guys, this is, we're really running long in this conversation. I'll, I'll let you wrap it up and with final points on it. But it's a great conversation, and it's a good yeah. – it's actually – I mean, it's a good problem, right, that there's two young guys that are both incredibly promising. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, when was the last time the Knicks had two guys that you're like, yeah, they both have some sort of star potential, hmm. um, uh, right? <laughs> and this – we haven't even brought up Obi Toppin, who also has star potential, <laughs> if yeah. we're being honest. Yeah. like I think his is a little harder to access, but yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I don't – I won't deny that. Um yeah, and so so uh, final, I guess final thoughts is um, I, I'll I'll say I'll say this first. So you you mentioned you said that the track record is small, but I don't I don't actually think it is. Hmm. So the reason why I don't think here's why I don't think it is. Um, what we saw last year um, is we did see elite separation ability in the half court from quickly, but only beyond or primarily beyond the three point line and into the free throw extended area right sure um outside of the restricted area for sure right but he was creating space all the time i mean you can remember the blazers game where he just went crazy right um and they were trapping and doubling and sending multiple defenders um and he was consistently beating it um you know multiple defenders um so he's had that and what so i i look at that and i did last year and i was like you're gonna see this guy get to the room eventually there's no like no issue. Why? Because he just has defenders. You see him have defenders off balance. They don't know what to do. They get their feet mixed up all the time. Um, and uh, he knows how to set up players for the screen. So all that he had to do really was put together the handle um, and the confidence. Now, the handle's still not totally there. But as it's grown, we're seeing him get further and further in. And he already has all that craft. And he already has that incredible quickness. And he has uh, that awesome first step. Um, and now we're starting. So, like you talked about the Miami Heat game. So yeah. he dusted Bam Adebayo one on one, and he dusted Kyle Lowry one on one in that game. Uh, both of those times, he used his hesitation dribble, which is, I think, um, I was arguing with someone about this the other day. I think that's his best uh, dribble move right now. They were arguing. Oh yeah, it's, it's, no, it's sick. No, he, he people are at a standstill when he does it. Like it looks like they're frozen in time or so. And then he's gone. He's just yeah. gone. Right. He just puts, so, but that was, I mean, Kyle Lowry and Bam Adebayo are thought of as two excellent perimeter defenders. Like Bam might be a big, but he's a really a wing on the, you know, on the perimeter and yeah. even better than a wing, most wings um, in terms of staying in front of guys. Um, and yeah, quickly dusted both of them with the hesitation dribble. Um, so yeah, I just don't see, I really don't see any reason to think like quickly isn't going to get to the rim and it, when he wants um, long-term. And then if you think that, and you think he has this touch, which every time he gets to the rim, he's super efficient. And it's not like, I think it's important to note that it's not like his efficiency is fluky. Like he's only shooting an open transition or something, right? Like Wayne Ellington is super efficient at the rim because he only shoots twice a year and they're both wide open transition layups, right? You know, but quickly, literally when he takes them, he's taking them over multiple guys. He's taking these crazy, like high scoop shots or these reverse layups. Like he hit that, he hit that crazy reverse layup in the half court um, recently. Uh, So they're, they're hard, they're high difficulty shots and he's still efficient. So you put those two things together this prediction that he's going to be getting to the rim and you put that efficiency together and you just have the scoring package. And then I just, I don't think you can argue right now that I think there's like just a clear case um, that quickly is a better decision maker than RJ. Um, Now can RJ get better? I think RJ has a really high ceiling as a passer. If he can figure out the decision making. Um, 
we've seen him make, I mean, his passing is really solid. He sets, and he sets guys up incredibly well. He's very accurate. Um, but the question is, will he ever get there as a decision maker? So far, he's been just highly unreliable. Um, so many times he takes bad shots. And this is part of the reason his efficiency is bad, is he takes bad shots when there are open guys because he's gotten to the rim and drawn the defense in. Now, one, I want to say one last distinction between them. So quickly gets to the, when he gets to the rim, he gets there incredibly fast and sort of violently where RJ gets there much more slowly and sort of meandering, right? With a little more force, physicality, and craft. So here's something that happens to the defense because of these two different styles. Um, when IQ gets there right away, it forces the defense to contract. Um, and then when he kicks the ball out, usually they're still contracting to block off the paint, right? Um, but because they're moving in to bring help to stop him, right? Um, they have to then completely change their momentum to recover out to shooters. And I think that's a huge thing. Meanwhile, with RJ, by the time he gets to the paint, the defense has already collapsed into the paint. So now if he does pass, they can just from a standstill sprint to shooters. So they're able to close out against shooters when RJ passes out a little bit faster than Emmanuel quickly. And I think this is sort of a thing you, you can see um it's not just an emmanuel quickly rj barrett thing but like it's part of the reason why derrick rose was really valuable um for the knicks last year is people pointed out look he gets to the rim really fast in a way other people don't like julius randall could get to the rim pretty much you know whenever he wanted um but it was slower it took a little more time right um and it just has a different effect on defenses and definitely there are stars who get to the rim slowly but i think it takes a little bit higher level of decision making to do it um there's been all these plays in the last few games which again the 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 worst defense qualifier um definitely applies where quickly has gotten basically the whole defense three or four men into the paint um i took some screenshots and posted them on twitter uh recently if anybody wants to look at them where he got like three or four men into the paint and then he has this easy floor to read right um, where, uh, uh, and, and because they're suctioning in at that time, when he makes the pass, um, the guys are wide open when they shoot where with RJ, when he makes the pass, a lot of times guys are already beginning to recover out, have already started. And so it, it's a little bit less of a window. Um, so he has to be just a little bit better if he's going to be getting there slower and he's not winning by, um, uh, uh, and that's another thing. He's not winning by creating uh, you know, by beating his man, he's winning by like pushing his man all the way to the rim. Um, so you need less help in those situations, right? Uh, if you're just pushing your man all the way to the rim, as opposed to actually beating your man, um, those are those are very different things for the defense. Um, and what what kind of help is required? Anyways, okay, those are just a couple points. I know we've been going on about this forever. Uh, there are other young guys who are also promising, which is a wild place to be for the Knicks. Yeah, yeah I'll just close my RJ point and like always said about quickly definitely rings true like you made a cer certainly a super super compelling argument i'm still gonna stick with it because i'm a stubborn uh jackass i'm not gonna budge but alec I, fibs wolf <laughs> yeah exactly rj no, is I'm, best I'm that's kidding. what i say uh because that's the rules oh um, yeah but anyway, I'm like me and dallas alex watches the game three times so yeah yeah, yeah. i watched the games three times um yeah. but my my closing argument for rj just in terms of things that could differentiate them um, I do think that it is very valuable that RJ could potentially be a guy that with a more creative coach, you could throw out there in lineups as anything from the two man to the four man. 
and he could reasonably defend those three positions plus switch on the point guards from time to time and hold his own. I think he would still struggle. I mean, he could like stop a, a center from backing all the way to the rim or something, but he obviously would not be able to contest a Joel Embiid or something at his height and size and everything else. But I think that on most uh, twos through fours, he could do a really good job on defense, which I, you know, quickly does his thing on defense too. And I think that he plays his role fantastic. Um, but I, I do think that there is a, a little bit of versatility there that could help RJ one way or the other. Um, but I that's think can... such an awesome point. Yeah. I just so, want to say, I'm totally on board with that point. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully a more creative coach opens it more than doesn't go to RJ at the four only as a last possible resort thing. All right, guys, I- I'm bummed about it too, but that is it for this edition of the locked on Knicks podcast but if you enjoyed this conversation we have with dallas fear not he is coming back for two more parts next time on locked on knicks we come to a consensus on uh who the knicks third best prospect under the age of 25 is we get into a whole lot of nuance of why that guy is our guy and number three before touching on who we have next on the list so all that and more to look forward to in the future but for now he's alex i'm gavin check us out on youtube we are new on there uh if you haven't already uh be good Talk to you soon. Peace out.